So in this episode, we reviewed the University of Colorado School of Medicine, and the guest is Romney, who is one of my good friends, and he is fantastic. He was my roommate in college, actually, so uh, he's a great guy and super smart, adds a lot of great perspective. So this school is located basically in the Denver area. It's in Aurora, Um, and Romney goes over a few really interesting points that I just want to shed light to give a little preview to preview to the episode. So you can look forward to hearing a little bit about the class size and how it's distributed and how friendly the University of Colorado is to out-of-state students. Also, I thought it was really interesting. The curriculum is changing from a two-year didactic program and a two-year clinical program to a three-year clinical program and a one-year didactic program. Finally, there's a lot of really cool things to do in the Denver area. Romney talks a little bit about that. So I think you'll really enjoy this episode. All right. Welcome to the Medical School Index. We got Romney here. He's one of my good buddies from undergraduate, and uh, he's at the University of Colorado School of Medicine. Welcome, Romney. Thanks for being here. Yeah, really happy to be here. Really excited to be here. So this is going to be awesome. Colorado is such a great school, and uh, it's in a really cool location, which I think draws a lot of students there. Do you want to talk about Denver and kind of where the school's at? Yeah, for sure. So um, I think that you know, finally, after two years of medical school, Denver's finally starting to feel like home for me. Um, when I moved here, um, you know, Mark and I, we grew, both grew up really close. We went to high school together, actually. Um, and so we grew up super close to the mountains. And so when I moved here to Denver, I was kind of expecting, you know, similar situation. Um, not as close to world-class skiing as Mark and I experienced, but there's tons of things to do outside here. Um, Denver's a cool city, kind of up and coming, great restaurants. Um, bar scene if you're into that um, and then cool cities around like golden's pretty cool um, with you know access to the mountains i was in boulder yesterday hiking with a friend um, so yeah i'd say it's like 40 minutes to trails in boulder like skiing's probably an hour and a half to three hours depending on where you're going and then the school itself um, is in aurora colorado so i live in denver um mm-hmm. And Aurora is just a little bit east of Denver. So that's kind of where the main school campus is. Is it in kind of like the downtown urban area or is it more of suburban? Uh, No, it's more suburban. So the the school used to be like downtown, um, but they built um, a few hospitals. The hospitals have been around, but it's a relatively new campus, I'd say within like the past 20 years. Um, So there are a few hospitals there. So they have the University Hospital, Children's Hospital, and then a VA hospital all there right on campus. They're all like five minute walking distance from each other. That's super nice. And I imagine you're doing most of your rotations at those hospitals. Uh, Yeah. So there are those three hospitals there. And then there are a few other hospitals you do rotations at. One of them is um, St. Joseph's. Um, It's like, uh, yeah, it's also, it's more downtown. And then there's Denver Health, um, which is like downtown, downtown. So of those five hospitals, that's where we're mostly doing rotations. And then family medicine, uh, that's the rotation I'm actually on right now. They can send you rural. Um, and then separate, we can maybe get into this more later on, but there are a few different like tracks. Um, there's one in Fort Collins and one in Colorado Springs. So there's some students there as well. Yeah, that'll be awesome. We'll have to jump into that. And um, are these like, I guess I could talk about this later, but I'm curious, are these like county hospitals in the sense that like you guys kind of see everything like you see from the prison system, um, kind of like people on Medicaid, all that 
spectrum. Exactly. Yeah. We see pretty much everybody. Uh, Denver Health's like the safety network hospital. So they, we see the, the patient population there is largely people who um, are, are downtown, um, people who are experiencing homelessness, things like that. Um, St. Joe's is a private hospital. Um, it's actually now owned by Intermountain Healthcare. They just recently bought it. Um, and then University Hospital and the VA and Children's are, yeah, just right over there. Oh, that's interesting. I did not know that um, mm-hmm. Intermountain had purchased that hospital. Yeah, cool. it's like SCL Health. Anyway, Intermountain bought it. Yeah. So for those students who are about to like move to um, Denver for, for school there, how much is rent? What can they expend, expect generally in terms of rent? Yeah, you know, I think it depends on where you're moving from, um, what your perspective would be on the rent. Um, so a one bedroom apartment is probably like $1,500. Um, if you're sh- like splitting rent with a classmate, you'll probably pay around like $1,000 for a two bedroom. Um, and it also just really depends on kind of where you're living. Um, yeah, so I'd say, I'd say that like average rent is probably for a one bedroom, like right around 1500. And then, yeah, you can go anywhere up from there. Okay. Is the area around the school safe or do most people live by the school? So just North of the school, there are a few, um, there are a few apartment buildings that people can live at, but, um, the school's actually in a, an area that is not very safe. Okay. Um, so just to the East, sorry, just to the West of campus is like very dangerous as well as South. Um, so students mm-hmm. don't really live in that area. That's where the rent is cheapest, um, but it's not super safe. So, um, but just north of campus, there are a few little apartment buildings. And then a, a little bit further, like Northeast is a safer area. It's called Central Park. I have a lot of classmates that live there. And then really just all throughout, I mean, I have classmates that live downtown Denver. Um, um, I live um, more, I don't live like downtown, downtown, but I live closer to the city than I do to the school. Um, just kind of wanted I lived, I personally lived right by the school my first year and I, I, uh, I didn't love how my life just felt like school. So I wanted to move a little closer to the city and a little closer to a few, um, fewer, uh, a few things there. So that's awesome. Denver would be such a fun place to live just yeah. all around city wise, the mountains. Um, and so it sounds like you're living probably like what, 15, 20 minutes away. And that's pretty normal for most students. Yeah. So I live like, um, 15 minutes away. Um, I'm usually going to campus early in the morning, so it's usually pretty quick there. So I'm like 15 minutes from main campus and then like 10 minutes from the two other hospitals that are downtown. So kind of pretty central location for everywhere I will be. That's great. So this kind of leads me into my next question. So let's dive into the first year. So yeah, in your first year, um, how often were you on campus? What was kind of your typical day like, and then kind of week as well. Yeah, for sure. So um, just kind of as a disclaimer, I was kind of letting Mark know this before my experience may be different than um, students experience in the future. CU is kind of undergoing a little bit of a change. They're going from um, a two-year preclinical education to a one-year preclinical education, meaning that you'll have now one year of like lectures before you get into the clinic. So my class is the 18-month, we're the transition year. But so um, my year, um, my first year, we started with anatomy. That was our first block. And then with COVID, everything went virtual. So there were no in-person lectures then. Um, So the typical day looked like um, four hours of lecture in the morning. um, And then occasionally like small groups in the afternoon. And then after that, there was just time to study. 
Um, so, I mean, we were usually done by three. If we had like a, a like a, an in-person, like, um, like foundations of doctoring or just like essentially teaching you like skills to be a doctor, like physical exam or interviewing patient, things like that. Then sometimes those sessions would go a little longer and those were usually in the afternoon, but um, pretty frequently or reliably, it was lecture from like eight until noon every day. Um, and then there was probably like one or two small groups a week um, that were required to be on campus. And then required lectures were um, not very often. It was maybe like once or twice a week that it was like an hour long lecture you had to go to. Okay. So these are like recorded lectures that you can watch later and they're not mandatory. Yeah. So um, my first year it was on zoom. So you could go to the zoom, um, the zoom meeting, or they also recorded it and you could watch it later. All of the, all of the lectures are recorded um, and they post them um, on canvas and you can watch them back later at a faster speed if you would like to. Okay. And I know like some students, they watch these lectures, but some actually don't, they just use like boards and beyond. Um, do typically most students watch these lectures? Um, I think it's pretty, it's split down the middle, you know, people find what they like to do. Um, personally, I didn't watch the lecture. Um, I went to anatomy, anatomy was all in person. And then we started kind of these zoom sessions and I just found that they weren't very beneficial to me. Um, and so I started using purely outside resources. Um, and I would occasionally, you know, skim through lecture, um, like right before a test, if I felt like I, I was lacking in an area. But um, I would say that my class was probably split, like, um, I would actually say it was probably like 60-40 in terms of people who watched lecture and, in terms of, and then people who didn't. Okay, really interesting. So um, in terms of anatomy, is this like, I know a lot of med medical schools have like four students who are doing a dissection of one cadaver. Was that kind of Colorado's? Yeah. So we, um, so just once again, I started school August, 2020. So they kind of switched up a few things. We didn't have open access to our anatomy lab. Um, and they had prosected cadavers. So we didn't actually do any dissection. They had um, master's students who were, um, getting a master's in anatomy, they dissected the cadavers for us. And then we would just go in and the cadaver was already dissected and, and we learned from it there. Okay. And I believe, Oh, sorry. Typically outside of COVID that's you do dissection. I actually believe that with their new curriculum, um, the cadavers are still prosected and they've switched it up a little bit. So instead of just having like a whole block of anatomy, they've kind of switched it to like a systems-based approach. So you have anatomy each block um, and you just learn like that section of the body. And I'm pretty sure that it's already dissected for you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Some yeah. people might prefer that, honestly. Um, it saves a lot of time. I mean, I was a little bummed because oh, yeah. I was like, I was like, oh dang, I want to dissect. But yeah, I mean, in retrospect, it did save, it probably did save me a lot of time. Totally. And super nice to have just one year of, of didactic year. I mean, I think people would, I would be very excited about that personally. <laughs> yeah. um, I kind of wish my school is doing that. Um, so, and then I'm trying to think of anything else on the first year. So you guys, and do you guys get a summer between first and second year? Yeah. So for me, we started in August and we ended in June and I got six weeks off. Um, for the students now, they started at like maybe middle of July, August. And their classes go through, I think it's um, June or July, and then they have six weeks off and they start clinical rotations in September. Wow. That's, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, 
And, and so one last thing on the first year, how many hours a day would you say that you were kind of just like doing med school work, like everything combined on average? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that as the year went on, um, I spent maybe started spending maybe a little bit less time at the beginning. I was probably spending, you know, eight to 10 hours a day, medical school stuff. Um, but you become more efficient. You find, you start to learn, you know, what kind of things you need to study, what things you don't need to study and you kind of, um, make up your own system. And so I, um, yeah, I would say probably like eight to 10 hours, there obviously were days that were, weren't as much or like days leading up to a test that were maybe a little bit more. Um, but yeah, so that's not too bad. I mean, and were, were you studying on the weekends much or, um, yeah, I would usually, so I personally used Anki, um, firm believer in Anki still <laughs> using it to this day. I used it in undergrad and, and even anyway, so then it just was an easy transition for me, but, um, I would do my reviews on the weekend. Uh, most of the tests, I actually, I know now for the first, so most of my tests were on Fridays. I occasionally had like a Monday test, but I know now with the, um, with the students a year under me, um, the first years now that mo- all their tests are on Fridays. So you will occasionally have weekends where you don't need to study. Um, but I, I would say I studied probably like two weekends a month. That is so nice to have all of your tests on Friday. Yeah. And, and nice too. like, you're just doing basically Anki on the weekends. I mean, that's not too bad. So Mm -mm, no, not at all. Great. Um, last thing about kind of the didactic curriculum. So is, are these classes pass fail? Is there a rank? Are they graded? How does that work? Yeah. So Colorado's pass fail. Um, you have to get 70% in a course to pass it. Uh Um, which usually ends up being just the average, an average of 70% or greater on all your tests. So that's really nice. Um, Mm -hmm. in terms of like remediation, if you do fail, um, they will make you like, uh, essentially redo the block or retake the tests. I'm not exactly positive how it is for the year under me. My years, like I said, a little bit weird, um, just because it's not like we could hop back in and, and redo the whole course. Um, but so then in terms of ranking, um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'll just restart here. <clears throat> no problem. Um, in terms of ranking, um, I'm not exactly positive on the ranking. I'm pretty sure that it's the way that it's weighted is 75% clinical and 25% preclinical. Um, and then I'm pretty sure that they rank by quartile. So on your dean's letter, like when you apply to residency, they will say like top quartile. Um, or they'll, I mean, they'll just go from there. Right. Okay. Cool. Ranking. Yeah. I mean, that seems pretty common um, across schools. So I, f- I feel like people appreciate that about Colorado. Yeah. Um, and then, so, I mean, obviously Romney, you're just kind of getting into the clinical stuff or you've been doing it for about four months now. Yeah, exactly. I started in um, January. Okay. Awesome. So most of these rotations, like you said, have been at these hospitals in Denver, but can you tell us a little bit about this family medicine rotation and do most students do that rotation outside in the rural areas? Yeah. So, um, the, the rotation system at Colorado is also changing a little bit. So, um, I'll shed some light on my experience and then kind of explain what that it's going to look like going forward. Um, but so I have so far, I've um, been on psychiatry, OB-GYN, and I'm on family medicine and I'm in a rural area 
because of the, um, you know, the transition from two-year preclinical to one-year preclinical, um, there was a period of about four months. So right now where there were more students in the clinical spaces than before, um, just because okay. there were third years there as well as second years. So, mm-hmm. um, they've been trying to place us accordingly, trying to keep us in Denver, but they sent out an email for family medicine that essentially said like, um, we don't have enough clinical spaces in Denver. We're going to be sending some of you guys rural. And, you know, I personally didn't really want to do rural medicine if I'm being honest. Um, uh-huh. so I said, keep me in Denver. I was like, I, I was like, they're actually not going to send people rural. <laughs> um, and they did. And so I'm in this, you know, little town, uh, it's called Yuma, Colorado. It's like two hours East of Denver. Um, it's actually been a fantastic experience. Um, it's, you know, the town's population of 3,500, but they have wow. their own little hospital there and clinic and, um, I'm the only student there. And so I get a lot of learning opportunities and a lot of chances to, um, to really grow as a student and, and grow as a learner. So yeah, that's I, been really cool. I bet, I bet you've been involved in a lot of stuff out there just as the only student. Yeah, it's been awesome. So, um, that's been really cool. So I guess for me, for my year, um, I'm doing what's called, you know, traditional, um, rotations. So it's block by blocks. So like I said, I, I already had psychiatry and an OB-GYN and then I'm on family medicine now and I'm on internal medicine next. Um, so half of my class is that half of my class is what Colorado is going is, is starting doing. It's called longitudinal integrated clerkships. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they have in Fort Collins and as well as Colorado, Colorado Springs. And they also have some students here in Denver. So what that looks like, um, is it's like a longitudinal approach. So for the first three months you do what's called immersions. So you have a week or two where you kind of go to each specialty, right? So you'll have like two weeks on psychiatry, two weeks on surgery, two weeks on internal medicine, two weeks on pediatrics, right? You'll have two weeks on each of those. And then after those immersions, it switches over to this longitudinal approach where you could have a morning on family medicine and then an afternoon on surgery. And then the next morning you're on OB-GYN and then that afternoon, like you're doing pediatrics. Um, And with that schedule, they give you a little bit of what's called white space. So they let you kind of, um, it lets you kind of figure out maybe what you want to do. Um, And so you can schedule time with other preceptors or in certain specialties, kind of try to figure out what you want to do or schedule time for volunteering or for research or for, for things like that. So they have um, these longitudinal integrated clerkships. They're called LICs. They'll have one at the VA at children's at university hospital at Denver health. They have, like I said, one in Fort Collins and one in, um, in Colorado Springs. Okay. And why do people go to these Fort Collins or Colorado Springs for more of like a small town experience, or is it just, they need more space for students? Uh, yeah. So previously, um, previously CU had had CU had always had an LIC in Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the draw to Colorado Springs, like the LIC model. A lot of my classmates who are doing the Colorado Springs, um, LIC, like are from Colorado Springs. Um, and they just wanted that approach. They, 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 they thought that it would, it would benefit them. Um, the Fort Collins one is new. Um, I think that it is for more clinical space, but also like you're saying, maybe a, a more, um, I mean, Fort Collins by no means is, is rural, but a more like, um, yeah, just like a different environment, different learning environment. Yeah. And some people might be from there. And so they want to go out there. Yeah. Um, that's really cool about the longitudinal, uh, rotation that they have there. So yeah. How much of this white space are you getting? Um, if you're in that track? 
Yeah. So that's a good question. I mean, I know some of my uh, friends who are in LICs are kind of like, wow, we have a lot of time. Um, They're really doing like three and a half days of clinic. This is just at one location. Um, I'm not sure about all the other locations. A lot of my friends are all at one LIC location. So they're always telling me about it, but Mm -hmm. um, it's more of like a, honestly, it's more of like a, like 6am at the earliest to 6pm at the latest um, for them. And then like they have like essentially an afternoon or two a week or an afternoon and a morning where they're able to have this white space and kind of figure out what they're wanting to do. That is so nice. Cause I feel like most students just get like the standard rotations and they don't get to look at specialty rotations. So yeah, it's really cutting edge for sure. I mean, and I personally, you know, I personally chose the traditional, um, rotation schedule just cause I thought that that would fit my learning style best. Um, and, and that's why I ended up choosing that one, but, um, it was a lottery pit, a lottery. Um, it was a lottery. And so, um, I think that that's how it is going to be going forward. Just like for students who maybe are interested in coming to see you, knowing that like, like you wouldn't be guaranteed the location. They do their best to get everybody their first choice, but it, it is a lottery in terms of like where you are assigned to go. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. And I can see why some people would prefer i mean the longitudinal would be tough because you're constantly switching subjects and exactly um there would just be a lot i mean i I imagine they're doing that based on what i read on the website they're kind of doing like the make it stick model where they're trying to do like spaced repetition type learning yeah exactly and i think that you know another one of their things is that like you build longitudinal relationships with um attendings and find mentors that end up knowing you well maybe a little bit longer than if you were just on a on a block rotation um things kind of like that so i think that that's kind of what their approach to it is and, and and what they're hoping comes out of it awesome and do you feel like the faculty like it's super easy to find a mentor how do they get you involved in mentorship other than yeah. these rotations so your first um, two years or now year, um, they assign you somebody um, who they're like your preceptor for the first year to two years where you go to the hospital every once in a while and learn from them. So it's usually somebody in primary care. Uh, my preceptor was a cardiologist. And so I would go, you had to do like 32 hours a semester where you went to the hospital with them. And essentially it was just like trying to um, improve your like your interviewing skills, your physical exam skills, and have a mentor there. Um, in addition to that, uh, CU also requires this project. It's called a mentored scholarly activity. So in your first year, you um, they help you find um, a mentor who can help you with a research project that you will then work on throughout your time in medical school and present your fourth year. Um, the system definitely is not perfect. My project has fallen through multiple times and had to try to find new mentors and stuff like that, which has been a bummer. But I, I mean, I have classmates who it's been very successful for them and finding things and in finding a mentor and things like that. That's really interesting. So everybody basically gets assigned a research project. Exactly. Yep. It's a, it's a requirement to graduate here. See you. Very cool. So there's a huge focus on research. I mean, I, I was reading there's 529 active clinical trials. So I imagine a lot of this research is not just like wet lab research. Like you're, Mm-mm. you're in the clinic. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've only, I've only participated in clinical research so far. Um, I haven't done any wet lab research, but there definitely are wet labs. There are I mean, huge research buildings um, where people are doing, you know, wet lab research. So, right. So, I mean, we talked a little bit before we jumped on the call about kind of your extracurricular involvement. Um, I mean, I, I feel like most medical schools have just so many opportunities to volunteer. Um, and that, that seems pretty across the board, but 
do you want to just talk about like your experience, what you've been involved in and um, what you've really loved about CU and how they've helped you with that? Yeah. Um, so I've kind of slacked in the volunteering aspect, um, something I definitely need to do and improve on. But I know that they have um, a few free clinics that um, students go and they uh, volunteer at. Um, and it's called the Dawn Clinic. Anyway, so students will go there and, you know, kind of learn and, and volunteer and things like that. Um, in terms of research, you know, I just mentioned, mentioned that um, mentored scholarly activity, but um, it, it hasn't been too hard for me to get involved in research projects. I mean, it's been just a, a lot of, you know, emailing. My, um, my first year, kind of during COVID, they wanted to make sure like all the students were doing okay. So they assigned us, they put us into like medical school families. Um, so there was like two fourth year students, a third year, two second years, and then me. And we would meet like um, once a month and just kind of talk and hang out. Um, but anyway, one of the students, um, one of those students in my medical school family kind of got me set up with a research coordinator and I was able to, you know, get on a research project there and then, um, kind of build a few relationships, um, there and get on another project. But I mean, it really, um, people are willing to help you out. People are, um, willing to, you know, get you onto research. It might take a few more emails than you're expecting, but usually you can find people who are doing research and and who are in need of help on research. And people are usually pretty kind in, in helping you do that. That's awesome. I feel like there's probably a lot of support in that regard. Um, finally, some miscellaneous questions. So, um, do they kind of, how do they help you prepare for residency other than just what we've talked about already? Yeah, that's a good question that I'm, I'm not super positive on, to be honest with you. Haven't really had to dive into that, into that world quite yet. Um, I know like there's a Dean's letter that's standard for every school. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know a ton about that. Sorry. No, it's all good. Um, and then any, so have you taken step one or are you preparing for that right now? No. So I haven't taken step one. So um, kind of a big part of their change was part of the reason why they changed to um, one year preclinical is there was some research that showed that taking step after your clinical years um, actually reduced step in terms or reduced stress when taking step. Mm-hmm. So that was before it went past fail. Um, but so I don't take step until after my clinical years. So um, I have rotations until, um, November. I have okay. like two months of back to, you know, back to science classes, stuff like that. And then I have three weeks of Christmas break and six weeks of dedicated studying period for step one. Um, and then they said that we would have a little bit of time later on in the year to study for step two. Um, not positive exactly when I'll take step two. We just have to have taken step one and passed it before we can take step two. That's what they've asked of us. Okay. Really interesting. That's, that's actually pretty nice that you can have more time to prepare for that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's pretty unique to see you, um, from mm-hmm. what I've heard from different students. So, yeah, yeah. There, there are a few other schools doing it. I know that the university of Michigan does it. I'm pretty sure Yale does it, is doing it this way with the one-year preclinical. So with the one-year preclinical, you'll do your year of whatever preclinical stuff, year of clinical, and then you'll take a step after your clinical years as well. Really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm betting it probably goes more towards that way. Um, but finally, just some last questions, um, that are kind of random. Okay. Does your school provide you with any technology like ultrasound to take home a iPad, a laptop? Yeah. So they didn't provide us a laptop or, um, or an iPad or, um, an old like a butterfly ultrasound. I have a few friends at different schools. So they provided that, um, there are, 
like butterfly ultrasounds that you can like um, check out and use mm-hmm. if you would like to that are very readily available. Um, you don't own it, but like, anyway, they're really easy to check out. Very cool. Yeah. That, I, I feel like a lot of schools are doing that and it's, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> my, my brother's been practicing on me. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I imagine there's free mental health counseling there at CU. There is. Yeah. So I, um, I was actually just like double checking to make sure that I, I knew those resources. They send out, um, like, a like a, a weekly letter from the office of student life. Those are like the deans and they have like, um, like bolded and at the very top of the letter, like student mental health. And they give you the number and the email and they say, make sure to leave a message if they don't answer. And they, they like, they say they'll get back to you as soon as they can. So there, there are um, mental health resources. I see you. Great. Um, and are there intramurals? And if so, have you been involved in those? Yeah. So um, there, I don't think that there are intramurals that the school runs, but um, I have classmates who um, they all just join like a local men's league um, and we're playing soccer, some indoor soccer. And so I personally didn't play, but I went and supported and like went and watched and hung out with my friends that were there. So <laughs> at, at CU, you know, I don't, I've never personally had time for this, but on my interview day, um, there's like this big um, grassy area in between some of the education buildings and there's like always um, students playing like spike ball or volleyball there because um, at the, at the medical campus, it's not just the medical school. There's also like the physical, it's also like physical therapy school, dental school, nursing school, PA school, uh, school pharmacy. So like a bunch of um, uh, other schools there. And so a lot of students from, you know, different schools playing games there. Um, and so they have like spike ball tournaments every once in a while, or like volleyball tournaments there on that grass just at lunch. Um, and so that's pretty fun. That's pretty cool. And yeah. just through that, you get to interact with other, cl- other, I guess, departments, or do you guys interact with the other departments at all? Uh, yeah. So through that, um, there also was a, uh, there's also a course, um, during your education, it's called like interprofessional education where they pair you up with a few, um, people from, um, different you know, professional, different professions, um, who are students as well. And, you know, you work through, um, ethics cases or things like that. And so you can get to know people through that as well. Okay. Very cool. Um, I'm kind of circling back to this cause I just realized that I never touched on it. Yeah. Um, how often would you say that you had like, cause obviously you have like anatomy, probably your first semester, I'm, I'm guessing. And then mm-hmm. how often did you have to kind of be on campus for, would you say on average for like a clinical thing or something like that? Your yeah. First year? Yeah. So, I mean, after my first year, so my first year was virtual, um, but after but my second year, they, they started holding um, in-person lectures and um, I mean, not a ton of students went maybe like 10 to 20. My class is 160 people. Most people just um, watch from home at that point. But um, uh, we had um, these problem-based learning groups. So at the very beginning of school, they arranged us into groups of eight people, eight students. Um, they were called our problem-based learning or PBL groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and we met with them every Tuesday. Um, my first year just on Zoom, but second year we started meeting in person. And um, so that was required. That was like two hours a week. And then every once in a while, they'd have like a, a patient session where you'd have to go in. So that was usually about an hour, maybe a week. And then... I think I, you know, touched on this a little bit before, but just like foundations of doctoring or teaching you doctor skills, that was probably once every three weeks or once every month. 
Um, and that was usually about four hours. So yeah. usually had to be on campus, maybe five hours max a week, five to six hours max a week. Very cool. So yeah. And it sounds like maybe twice to three times a week, um, yeah. depending on the week. Very exactly. Cool. Yeah. Um, just kind of wrapping up. Um, this is a general question. If you don't have yeah. anything to say, it's fine, but anybody applying to see you, would you, uh, anything you'd recommend or in the interview process or just in general, like what do you have to say about CU on a general basis? Yeah. I mean, I think CU is a great school. Um, they definitely care about their students and they're definitely trying to figure out the best way of teaching their students. Um, you know, I was actually talking to a friend about this, who's thinking about doing medicine. Um, this last week. And he was kind of just like, what should I do? And I think that I would just tell students out there to, um, to do what you're passionate about and, you know, find what you're passionate about. And, and, um, you know, whether that be something that's volunteering or just a hobby or things like that, um, and really try to build that out and, and have that make, like, I think that the whole application process as a whole to medical school is just like about becoming the best person that you can be. Um, and so when I interviewed here at CU, my one-on-one interviews, I didn't talk about any of my personal accomplishments or anything. They were mostly interested about my hobbies and what I liked. And, um, you know, on my, on my application, I had mentioned that I enjoyed fly fishing and that I invite, that I enjoyed skiing and being outside. And my interviewer was like, sounds like Colorado has all those things. You know, I think the interviewer was trying to sell Colorado to me and was like, you know, it looks like Colorado would be a great place for you. And, um, yeah, I think that, you know, just things like that, things that make you, um, you know, look more human, um, are eventually what you're going to talk about in your interviews. So don't stress so much about the, how many hours do I have or things like that, but really just becoming the best person you can be and and doing what you're passionate about. That's great advice. I feel like that's a great culture they have there, kind of the the mountain vibe. So yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Um, there was one last thing I wanted to ask you before we finished. Um, Yeah. I noticed on the website that they talked about, there's like a rural track, a research track and a global health track. Do you Uh have to do one of those tracks? And okay. You don't have to do those. No, you don't have to do those. I don't know if those are even going to be a thing with the year below me. They might be, I'm not positive, but I know at least for my class, I didn't have to do one of the tracks. Um, I could have, if I wanted to, you kind of um, applied at the very beginning. Um, and I, I decided not to, man. So this, this has been fantastic, Romney, you, <laughs> uh, man, it, it's been great talking to you. Colorado yeah, sounds I'm, like a great school. Yeah. It's a great place. And, you know, Denver, great, great location, lots to do. So definitely been good. And, and, um, you know, hope any future applicants to Colorado are, um, yeah, that this is beneficial to anybody who wants to apply to Colorado in the future. Also, just as one more thing, um, Colorado is a state school, but they take a lot of out-of-state applicants and a lot of out-of-state people. So I'd say like about half my class is from out-of-state. So just if, if people are like, you know, debating adding Colorado to their application, um, just like, just so that people are aware. Yeah, that's great to know that I, I think people, that's definitely insider knowledge. So we appreciate that. Yeah. Um, All right, Romney. Well, thanks so much, man. Take care. Yeah. Good to see you, Mark. Have a good one.